This is the Gary V Audio Experience. I wouldn't change anything because first of all, I'm too happy and so I wouldn't want to fuck with that, right? And second of all, I just really believe in my thesis. I think everybody here under 30 is rushing to do stuff to close insecurities and vulnerabilities and it's making them do things that they're gonna regret long term and I just didn't. I just, you know what it feels like to be 27 years old and see your college friends and them making jokes that you work in your dad's liquor store? Like, I just was able to be in my own head and not care about what anybody else thought and that would be my biggest piece of advice because I genuinely believe all of you are in a rush for that. I don't think you care about a BMW or a Rolex or like spending a lot of money on a vacation for any other reason because of the psychological aspects of how that positions you to other people. I really believe that. And so I just think people, you know, like the young man, I don't know if he's here, who's like, I'm killing it. I want to start teaching other people. He's, he's so young. Like anybody could do well at Wall Street the last six years, everybody. Like if you've lost money on Wall Street in the last seven years, you should literally retire. Like, and call it a day and just leave because it's impossible not to make money, right? And so like, I think people are caught. I'm saying it over and over. I know you, a lot of you pay attention. If you're under 32, you are completely misreading the situation. The college debt crisis is coming. This economy will crash. And everybody's behaving like 10 million raising. Like, if you don't make money, you're vulnerable. And so I just, I just think people are misplaying it. I'm very concerned about the lack of patience. People come up, they put up the five, they're like, yeah, Gary, I love patience, but then I look, they aren't deploying patience. Way too much debating in your 19-year-old head, you know? Eat shit for 10 fucking years, work for somebody that's smart for free, make minimum wage, live with seven homies in a one-bedroom apartment, that's the best way you'll enjoy the rest of your life. That's the furthest thing from people's minds. Everybody's gonna crush it and start a business and fucking kill it. Everybody's so fucking great. 99% of these people in this room have no shot of building a business that is long-term successful unless they go super long tail and super patient. The number one thing I tell all my client service people is you can only control what you can control. Most of my client people are so ideological about their clients. 100% of VaynerMedia's clients don't do even 50% of what I want them to do. Let me just say this very clear. 100% of VaynerMedia's clients aren't even 50% doing behavior I want them to do to make their business bigger. And I'm Gary Vee. <laughs> you know? You know, like so, you know, I think you need to be historically correct. So I think the other mistake that people make is the other way, which is you pander to the client. And you're saying the things that you know they wanna hear. You need to be historically correct. You know, if you believe in something, you have to die on that sword because it feels really bad when then that plays out, but you never said anything because you knew the client didn't want it and then they're blaming you for it and you're like, fuck, I always knew it. That's a way worse L than dying on your own sword. And, and just recognizing that you just don't, you can't control shit. Like today it's going great and now that person rotates or leaves the company and your new person sucks. Like I don't dwell on the shit I can't control. I wanted to eat shit for a decade and build this Vayner machine so I could buy businesses. So I won't fire the clients because I have a mission in a 50 year macro. I eat shit every fucking day. I, I dislike being at the mercy of other people, but I know what I'm doing in a 40 year window, and so that's why I'm choosing. So since I made that decision, I hate when people are like, I hate this shit. I'm like, then quit and go fucking do something else. You're in fucking control, you're in America. Uh, 
you know, actually, how many people in this room are immigrants or children of immigrants? Please raise your hand, just curious. So for the hands that are in this room, they know something that I know, which is immigrants have an amazing advantage. They have a very tried and true strategy that we could all learn from. What immigrants are very good at doing is when they come to a new country, they work and they don't spend any money on dumb shit for 10 years. And so that's what my parents did. And, uh, and eventually my dad was able to buy a small liquor store in New Jersey. I was a very entrepreneurial kid. I was day trading attention from a young age. I had six lemonade stands when I was seven years old and I would spend all my time trying to figure out what tree and what pole to put the signs on because I was watching people drive and trying to figure out what signs. I was a very sick child. Um, When I was 12 and 13, I was selling baseball cards which were very popular in the United States at the time and I was making one to two thousand dollars a weekend selling them in the malls of New Jersey which was great and I was rich for a young kid and it was fantastic but then my career changed. My dad dragged me into the liquor store and I hated it at first but luckily I realized that people collected wine. I was into collecting sports memorabilia. That was my passion, that was the connection and I decided that I was gonna jump into my family business, open up 4,000 liquor stores across America, sell the franchise one day and buy the New York Jets American football team because that is my dream. You two stand up, you two stand up. Let's clap it up for these guys. In 1994, I was in my dorm room in college. My friend came over to me, and I wanna start wrapping this up and getting it to what matters to you. He brought me into a room. It was the first time I heard which was the internet. I was very excited about it. I didn't know what it was. I said something stupid like, is this the information superhighway? I looked at it. This is, you know, there's a lot of youngsters in here. This was 1994. I literally stood there and watched people on the internet for five hours. It was that crazy, it was just that insane, it was so new, and when I finally had my turn to go on there, when I finally had my turn to go on there, within 20 minutes, I landed on a message board where people were trading and buying cards, baseball cards, and I realized, my God, I can do business on this thing, and over the next year, I went head first and learned about eBay, learned about what was going on in Amazon, started learning the early internet culture, and in 1996, I launched winelibrary.com, one of the first two e-commerce wine businesses in America. From 1998 to 2003, in a five-year window, I grew my dad's business from a three to a $60 million business on very, very important terms that matter to this entire room. I had no money. It was a $3 million business that had 10% gross profit, $300,000 before expenses. There was no marketing budget. What I needed is to make every penny work like a dollar. So the strategy became day trading attention. When you day trade attention, my friends, here's what you do. You don't overspend on what everybody believes is tried and true. Every single company in this gorgeous conference right now is grossly overspending money on things that they've been doing for the last decade because it's the things that they accept or the reporting justifies it or they're just lazy to try something new. Everyone. Everyone. And so what you do when you day trade attention is you have to find angles, what's underpriced. How many people here do email marketing or have done email marketing in their lives? Raise your hands. Perfect, a lot of you. 
1997, I started an email newsletter. Most people that came into my liquor store didn't even know what email was in 1997. I collected, I collected, I collected, and in 1998, I had a 200,000-person email newsletter with 91% open rates. Now, it's not because I was a genius, and I know a lot of you sit here just like I do with emails that are 13 to 23% open rates today. It's that in 1997, nobody was emailing. We hadn't ruined it yet. One thing I promise you, more than I know that the sun will come up tomorrow, I know that marketers ruin everything. I never try to sell to people who are unsellable. I just don't try to convince anybody. If I have a meeting, like at a diner with some pancakes, I meet the guy, I tell him my piece, he says no, I'm like cool, mazel tov, see ya. Just like, just like the film you're, this, that dude made, like I don't care what Goran does, I don't care what any of you do. Like, like it, it would be much better if you did it and it worked and you email me in four years and I'd feel really nice and if your life is better, it's good. But at the end of the day, I can't control you. Like I can't, I can't control you. Like I love this new kick where like, as you guys know, I'm like stop watching me, right? So people think it's cool to email me and say I've stopped watching you, I've unsubscribed. But then they're, <laughs> no, 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 let me, let, me, let, me, let me get to the punchline. But then I watched it because I was curious. I'm like, I was pumped about that at first until I caught something in a stream once which put me down a rabbit hole. Now I look at their behavior. So literally, literally, this is how, how I think people are misplaying it. They, they, they're watching my stuff, I'm proud about my stuff, I think it works. They see a piece of content where I get on this tangent that I'm desperate for you guys to do. I'm so desperate for you actually to execute that I get to the extreme where once in every four months I'll look at the camera and be like, stop fucking watching me, just do. So I've watched all the people that are saying that, so they stop watching me and then they go watch worse shit. <laughs> Like, if everyone's just like checking boxes. Oh, Gary Vee told me to stop watching, to go do, I've unsubscribed from his YouTube. Just a bunch of fucking keyboard warriors. Everybody, everybody's real fucking fancy on their Instagram photo and, lo- and their profile and what you say on Twitter, but nobody's fucking doing it. Like, it's super easy for me to look in your face and say eat shit for 10 years, because I did it. I lived in New Jersey, I didn't go out in New York City in my entire 20s. That's just fucking facts. That's hard for a 20 year old dude. But I was on a mission. And by the way, not all of you should, most of you should not be on the mission that I'm on. Which means you can go out and you can do things. But everybody's talking shit. A lot of fucking talk. Lots of fucking talk. And fucking, I'm telling you, it's, there's a bunch of fucking fakers in this room right now. <laughs>